Welcome to the Choosing Hope podcast. My name is Munira Pramji and I am so glad you're here. This is the podcast where you will meet some extraordinary people who have faced adversity and have overcome it. And they're here to tell you how they did this and what they've learned. We will explore themes like hope, community, and self-care. Topics that I cover in my book, Choosing Hope, One Woman, Three Cancers. If you have any comments or suggestions or just want to say hello, please connect with me through Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. I am so delighted to invite to the show today, Jeannie Dent Brent. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Jeannie is a speaker and writer who grew up in Washington. Um, over the years, she has served as counselor, educator, wellness advocate, and adjunct professor. She has also participated in missionary work, and this work has taken her to many, many parts of the world. Yemen, Gaza, the Czech Republic, Russia, China, and Romania. That's a lot of places, Jeannie. It is. Uh, after being healthy for all of her life, Jeannie was diagnosed and has battled an aggressive cancer. And she writes about her experience in a book, Unleash Your God-Given Healing, Eight Steps to Prevent and Survive Cancer. Welcome to the show, Jeannie. Thank you. It's great to be here. So I got to tell you, I had a chance to finish reading your book yesterday. And I loved your book because it was so practical. It's stuff that people can pick up and do stuff right away. And that's what it was designed to be. Just what's the easiest things I can do. And many of them are not even expensive. Mm -hmm. And a lot of things are commonsensical things. But what I love about what you did is in the way that you packaged it all together. So it's an easy read. Well, thank you. I, I worked hard to do that because I wanted it to be a handbook for people who want to prevent cancer and for people in the journey. That sounds very much like a mission that you have since the diagnosis. It definitely is. And I have to be honest with you, when I was talking with the hospital chaplain after the shock of my cancer, he told me, he said, Jenny, you're a speaker, you're an author, you could help so many people by sharing your, your journey and what you've learned. And I looked at him and I said, he said, consider it a gift. And I said, I don't want the gift. <laughs> so I want you to know I wasn't a willing, I wasn't willing to do that at first. And the funny thing is, in the first pages of the book is what he told me would happen. He said, you'll write a book and you'll put at the beginning of it. This was the book I never wanted to write. <laughs> Guess what's at the beginning of the book? This is the book I never wanted to write. And I so resonate with what you're saying. You know, when I think about my own experiences with cancer, three advanced cancers over a five-year period, I often talk about this as a gift. And then I qualify very quickly that this is not a gift I'd like to give to anybody. But what <laughs> I have found in my own experience is uh, going through the roller coaster of cancer really helped me find my purpose and helped me um, come out the other end, I think, a better person. 
Amen. And I think it did the same thing for me. It's amazing how trials can work for good in our lives. And in this case, we can reach out and help other people. And yet yeah, not something not something that we see when we're first given this gift, right? Not no. something we see. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> we're just trying to keep our head above the water. Yeah, just barely surviving. So um, to take it again to the beginning, your mom passed away from cancer. And yes. uh, in your book, uh, you write something um, that really just, you know, caught me. Um, you said that she was so ready to go. She was 82. And at one point she said, who's keeping me from going to heaven? Jeannie Dent Brent, you know my wishes. Whatever machine is keeping me alive, turn it off. And, you know, I just have goosebumps when I hear that. Well, she had written her living will and she had given specific directions. And my sister, my siblings and I were not, we were trying to keep her alive. Mm -hmm. And she was saying, that's not what I want. My body is dying and you need to let me die. And so the doctor reversed her orders since we weren't following it. He said, she still ha she has the mind to tell us what she wants and she wants to die a natural death. And so we had to back down and allow her body to do that. Yes, she was ready to go. She sounds like an incredible woman, somebody who uh, wanted to live and die by her own terms. Well, she did. And the thing is, she did everything the doctors asked her to do to fight her cancer. But when it didn't work in the end and her body was dying, she said at that point, let me die. I'm ready to go to heaven. You know, that was just that was her wishes. And so we, you know, we, we allowed that and celebrated with her. But it was still difficult. Mm -hmm. We fought people on Earth. It's you want to fight to keep that loved one. Mm -hmm. even when they're ready to go. But it is comforting to know that they are ready to go. I sang in her funeral, swing low, sweet chariot, because she was ready for that chariot in the sky to come down, get her and take her home. What an incredible metaphor that is. Yeah. Boy, now we're both tearing up. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Four months later, after your mom's pass, you find that you have an aggressive breast cancer. And it was a six-year battle for you. If you can go back to 2015 when you were first diagnosed with the cancer, what was that like for you? Well, from the first moment that I found the lump, how I found the lump, my sister calls it the providence of God, and she's right. I had just completed the Cooper River Bridge run. It's a 10-kilometer run that I walked briskly. And that night in going to bed, I got my ring entangled in my 90. And in the middle of the night, that's when I felt the lump. Otherwise, I wouldn't have felt it. And so I immediately went to the doctor and I knew that it wasn't going to be anything because my mother had just died of breast cancer. And I knew I didn't have too many risk factors for it. Mm -hmm. And when the doctor said, um, it's not a fluid filled fist, uh, cyst this time, it is cancer. I was absolutely shocked. And then the next week, they told me it's HER2 positive. That means it's aggressive. And then the next week, after looking at the MRI, the doctor flashed it up on the screen because he said, it looks like it's stage three or stage four. And I said, it can't be, I feel fine. 
So he flashed it up on the screen and it looked like a tornado had invaded my body. And I'm here to tell your listeners, when you get a serious diagnosis of any kind, you need to get a second opinion. I immediately went to Cancer Treatment Centers of America because I realized I was dealing with a stage three or four aggressive cancer. And they were able within a week to turn that diagnosis around and say, we're not sure it's stage three or stage four yet. That has not been determined. What we're seeing all over your body is inflammation caused from the biopsy, which is a rare thing to happen to a cancer patient, but it happened to me. And so one of the best things I did, and this is so important, is to get that second opinion. Mm -hmm. There's so much you've said there that I'd just like to pull some threads from. So one is um, the way you found your lump. You know, there are no coincidences in the world, right, Jeannie? Right. As my sister said, it was the providence of God. Absolutely. And then in your case, you know, you were on this 10K run, you know, you were a health nut, no risk factors, no genetic indicators. And there you are, you know, being diagnosed. And what you say about the second opinion, I I can't stress enough. I, uh, I know, for instance, that you cannot really stage a cancer until you've had the surgery and, and the biopsy. And so good for you on being an advocate, because I think um, so many people that I speak with, you know, they, they do not advocate. They take, they take what they're told um, like it is the word of God. And it may well be, but it still behooves us to ask the right questions to make sure that, uh, you know, we get the right treatment. Because if the diagnosis is not correct, how is the treatment going to be correct? That is true. It's very important to ask questions and to get that that second opinion. It was the, one of the best things that I did. Mm, love it. I even got a third opinion on the chemotherapy and found out I could reduce one of the chemos I was being given because new research was showing that it was not necessary in my case. Mm. I think uh, another thing to, to what you're saying is the relationship with the doctor or the doctors in this case, because when there is the trust and you feel like your doctor has got your back and I have been really fortunate in my journey, you know, there was so much trust between um, us as a family and the oncologists that I was able to um, trust what they were saying to me, but there's got to be that, that connection. Yes, there does. And what was interesting about my case, when I went to Cancer Treatment Centers of America, they provided, of course, an oncologist, they provided a naturopathic doctor on my case and hmm. a nutritionist. And those two, with the oncologist working together on my behalf, gave me a lot of confidence and assurance. And whatever that naturopathic doctor that oncologist and that nutritionist told me to do, I did. <laughs> yep, I certainly got that from the book. Yeah, no. yeah. In fact, they called you their rock star patient, didn't they? They did. Uh, and that was because after the harsh chemo was over, my red and white blood cells and platelets were all back within normal limits within six weeks. And they had prepared me that would take two or more years. 
So that was a blessing because, you know, the chemotherapy can kill your immune system or drastically destroy it. And what I was doing in between was rebuilding it through all these different mechanisms so that it wouldn't be completely destroyed. And that showed them that it was not destroyed and it was back functioning and working. And what's interesting is during these COVID days, a lot of people say, well, you're a former cancer patient, all that chemo, aren't you worried about COVID? I said, my immune system is working better than it ever has. And it's also helping me if I limit my exposure to prevent COVID. Or if I do get it, I'm probably not going to get a terrible case because my immune system is working the way it was designed by the creator. Yeah, what I'm hearing you say is um, you just know your body so well. And and that was my experience as well. I, I don't think I knew my body at all. But after the cancer, it's almost like I know when things are low or I know when I'm low on a vitamin D. There's something about being so aligned and in touch with your body um, that was another gift I found from the cancer. Yes. yes, and vitamin D can be a very powerful gift for preventing cancer or the comeback and for preventing uh, flus and viruses and COVID-19. So vitamin oh, D. Yeah, yeah, that was so something you and I both learned in the cancer journey. Yep, yeah, there's so much to talk about, but again, um, I just wanted to go back to the research. So you did a lot of research before you wrote your book. Um, I understand three years of research and writing um, to come up with the, with the eight steps. So tell us a little bit about this research. Well, what drove the research that it, it just, you couldn't stop me from hunting and trying to find out what caused my cancer? Because the doctor sat down with me and clearly said, you know, there are risk factors for the cancer you got and you don't have a one of them. And so they did extensive genetic testing because my mother had breast cancer and that showed nothing either. So that was just, just puzzled me to no end. And that's what drove me to research. I read about 50 books by scientists, nutritionists, medical doctors, I went to three cancer conferences where medical doctors and nutritionists spoke. I listened online to medical doctors and research scientists lecture about cancer, its causes, how you prevent it. And so it was just this ongoing, and I'm still doing it today. I mean, mm -hmm. I just signed up for something uh, that starts in a few weeks where I can actually learn how the body regenerates and what I can do to help it regenerate more. Our body was created to heal and regenerate if we will do the right things. Mm -hmm. Boy, so you're a real student of cancer and this is an ongoing journey for you. And what I found uh, in your book is that you really do connect the dots on how nutrition and lifestyle and integrative and conventional medicine and faith you talk a lot about faith, how all of that really boosts the human body's immune system. And your book has won um, some first place memoirs, um, I think for the Golden Scroll Awards. And it's been featured. Yeah, the American Speakers and Writers Association, they call it ASA. It did win, uh, it tied for first place in the memoir category. And that was a real honor for me because it's been 10 years since I've written my, my other book. And to get a book in that kind of shape, 
you know, took a lot of work for someone like me who, you know, there are people that write a book or two every year. I'm not one of those people. So I put my all into this three years of research and writing to make it, as you said, simple for Mm -hmm. people and practical. And I wanted to connect the dots because my research connected the dots for me. And I told you, I didn't want to write a book about cancer or speak about it. But once I connected those dots, I'm like, oh my goodness, a lot of people are doing all the same things that I'm doing that helped me to get cancer. I've got to get this out there. I'd love to be able to help people in the cancer journey, but I'd love to help people. Let's not get cancer to begin with. You know, <laughs> that's, my, that's my big mission. I love cancer patients and helping them through the journey because I feel like we're brothers and sisters, you know, but I don't want people to have to go there to begin with and go through what you and I have been through. Mm-hmm. Even though it made mm-hmm. us stronger, it's not a journey you want to go through. You know, you make the best not, of it, but yeah, it's not just about treatment; it's about prevention in the first place. Yeah, and uh, you know what? I would love, I would love, Jeannie, for you to walk us through some of these steps. Um, I wonder if you could start with uh, the first one you talk about, which is water. Yeah, and water um, is the first strategy that I learned, and I actually learned it before I got cancer. I was trying to hydrate properly, but I had to dig deeper into the first steps in my book because I was a health and wellness advocate. I did speak on health and wellness, and water is just critical to every cell and every system in our body. And so I had to look and say, am I properly hydrating. So I had to beef it up. And I now start out my day with two glasses of water because your body gets some dehydration, you know, during the night, you start out the day with that water and it's really an elixir. I mean, it's a healing elixir because it stimulates so much of the healing that goes on in your body. Every chemical reaction in your body that's part of your immune system or that's part of making your heart and your lungs work properly, all these things must have enough water. And the research shows that Americans are basically, and I'm sure it's many places in the world, dehydrated. And a lot of us, we're drinking enough fluids, but they're not the right kind of fluids. Mm. Drinking coffee, it dehydrates. So you have to drink more water to make up for that. If you have a glass of wine, All alcohol is a diuretic as well. And so you have to have an extra glass of water and then you want to get your body weight uh, divided by two in fluid ounces every day at a minimum. And then they're telling you to go up from there. Some people will need more depending on if you're sweating or if you've just exercised or if you're in higher altitude. So if someone like me at 150 pounds, I would need 75 ounces of things that count as water. Let me tell you what counts as water. Water, of course, milk would count as water or the nut milks and herbal teas. A smoothie would count as Mm. water if it's made from fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables, some of them are 80, 90, 95% water. So watermelon's like 90 to 95% water. So watermelon juice, you know, things like that, or eating watermelon is actually hydrating. You also talk about how um, water slows the aging process. Yes, it does. And when you look at at COVID-19, water gives you a 
there's a water barrier in your sinuses and your nasal cavity. And when you get enough hydration, that barrier itself can prevent you from getting colds, flus, and viruses. Hmm. So hmm. you know how the doctor always tells you, you know, oh, yeah, I think I'm coming down with a flu. What do they tell you to do? What's the first thing they tell you to do? Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. You know? There you are. You just connected another dot here. That's great. So for people to avoid, if people want their immune system to start really boosting, first thing they can do is in one day, you can start hydrate properly and your immune system will begin to work as God designed it because it needs enough water to do that. So this is a great tip for trying to avoid getting COVID to begin with. Hmm. Very topical. So uh, you talk about a, a really beautiful story in your book about the Iranian doctor who was imprisoned in this country. Would you mind sharing that story, please? Oh, yes. There was a doctor. I hope I'm saying his name right. I've only read about what he's done. Dr. Batmanjelic. He uh, all he had in the Iranian prison was water to treat any of the other patients who were in prison like him. So if they had a stomach problem, if they had a cold, what flu or whatever, he increased hydration and it probably wasn't clean water. But the point is he increased hydration. And so he started doing research on that. And then he finally got out of prison, came to America, published his research and published books. And he talks about how water is really one of the main things, the first thing we should do if we have a cold, flu, virus, preventing cancer, whatever, whatever it is, look at proper hydration first. You have a headache. It might be your body telling you you're not properly hydrated. You know, so there's so many things are all listed in my book, footnoted to him, of all these diseases which are related to water. And I looked back and I thought, how many times has a doctor told me when I had certain problems with my colon, hydrate more? Mm. You know, I've had probably four or five times a doctor has said to me, increase hydration. Mm. And this is the reason why almost every disease in the book is related to, in some way, whether small or large, hydration. I think you've made one compelling case for drinking water. And I know that I'm going to certainly be upping my quotient. <laughs> um, step two, Jeannie, uh, sleep. Sleep is important. And I knew that before the cancer journey. But I had to take a deeper dive into sleep. And what I found out was when you are in deep sleep, a hormone called melatonin goes off and it boosts your immune system and it is a major cancer fighter. Your body was designed to fight cancer, but if you don't get enough sleep, your immune system is not gonna be up. Your body detoxes, repairs and rebuilds and regenerates while we are sleeping. And with this fast paced American or North American, if you wanna call it lifestyle, many times we just run our bodies into the ground because we don't get enough sleep. So it's important to prevent cancer because it, they have studies that clearly show that deep sleep helps prevent cancer. And then it's just important for your overall health because of all that rebuilding and detoxifying. So sleep is just, it's, it's critical. 
our body was made to sleep at night, a good eight, nine hours at night. And then the step three is our body was also made to exercise and move during the day. And I would have to say that of my steps, exercise probably has the most research to back it up. But I have to tell you this, when I was doing what I was doing, exercising during all these things, the research was not out yet from Australia with 30 entities showing that the exercise is the best thing a cancer patient can do. That was not yet on the horizon. That came about 2017 and I was undergoing chemo and surgery in 2015 to 16. But I walked two miles after my first surgery where I had a hundred stitches and it was the best thing I could have done for my body. Now, if your doctor told you not to because he was operating on your leg and he didn't want the pressure of your body on your, on your knee or your leg because it would swell, that would be a different case. But in this case, they didn't stop me from walking. And when you go home after a breast cancer surgery, you have all these tubes you have to nurse when you get home. I went home with no tubes. The exercise in the hospital took care of it. Hmm. So tubes were, they, they, they removed them and it helped get all of the anesthesia out of my body. It lessened my risk of blood clots. It promoted healing all over my body. My respiratory therapist and my doctor both said, they released me a day early. They said, this is the best thing you could have done. Because mm-hmm, our bodies are made to move. I love some of the research you quote in your book. One is that for every 30 minutes of exercise, you neutralize 12 hours of stress. Yes, and that's why I was exercising so much. From the first moments I was diagnosed, I went on a walk with with my husband because I was dealing with the stress. And after the surgery, it was the stress. And then when we got to chemotherapy, the stress of having to go through chemotherapy, I walked two miles before every chemo and my chemo was eight hours long with all the different uh, chemicals and pre-meds. And then I walked two miles afterwards and two to three miles every day in between, only Mm -hmm. to find out this was helping the chemo to target my cancer and helping to pump out the toxins and all the dead cells from the poison afterwards. Mm -hmm. So exercise is the best thing a cancer patient can do. There's no doubt about it. The research now proves it. I did it for stress. And now my doctors came back to me several years later and said, have you seen the new research in Australia? They pointed me to that research. They said, this is why what you did worked so well. And in your book, you also, um, this is outside of cancer, you say you can add seven years to your life by taking a brisk walk 25 minutes per day. Another benefit. And again, if you want to reduce your risk of getting flus, viruses, and COVID-19. During this entire pandemic, my husband and I have been walking. We've been staying away from other people, keeping our distance, but you can walk in your neighborhood and keep your distance. We've been keeping that walking and that walking ups your B and T cells, your immune cells. So being the couch potato is not the best way to fight COVID-19 and staying indoors where you're not getting that vitamin D sunlight. Great. So we've covered water and sleep and exercise. And I know that one that you're particularly passionate about is nutrition. Yes. You know, I really believe now we are what we eat. And this is something that I've been learning over my lifetime. And 
it's like I kept increasing my fruits and vegetables, but in a nutshell, all plants created by God in the plant kingdom, herbs, nuts, seeds, fruits, vegetables, all contain cancer preventing chemicals. And so the more plants you eat, the less heart disease you will have, the less your risk for cancer goes down. And so you and I are in this mode of, we want to prevent the cancer from coming back. So I am, you know, taking, using flax seeds in my smoothie, as well as blueberries are, have high content for helping you to prevent cancer and cutting off blood supply to tumors. If the tumors don't have a blood supply, then they can't grow. Mm. So nutrition is just, it's just important. The fiber, the fruits and vegetables have phytochemicals and antioxidants, and these are powerful in preventing all kinds of diseases and issues. It's, it's really what I think our body was created to live off of. And it's not that we can't have meat and other things. It's that that should not be the bulk of our diet. I used to eat the sad American diet. That's what they call it. The standard American diet. And I would eat meat three times a day. I no longer do that. Oh, I'll have some grass-fed beef and I'll have some organic chicken and I'll have some wild-caught salmon, things like that. But my protein now comes from different sources and some of them are plant-based. And you've noticed that that has made a difference tangibly in your life and your health? Yes, I'll tell you how I noticed, I'm, and I'm, I'm doing it now. I just started today a 30-day cleanse where you eat no meat, you eat no gluten, no dairy, no sugar, no chemicals. You just eat plants from nature. And at the end of those days, your digestive system works better. You know, usually your cholesterol levels go down. If you happen to have your blood work, you do it at the end of it, and you can visibly feel and see a difference when you are eating mainly plants. Hmm. You know, and in this case, you do eat all plants. It helps to cleanse your body, detoxify your body. There's just so many benefits. And almost every doctor I heard lecture has said the cure to almost every disease is eat more plants. Hmm. Again, you know, you, you, you make it so simple. And I know that this has been a struggle for you because you, you're writing your book, how you were a high school junk food queen addicted, <laughs> yeah, addicted to kind of high carbs and fats and, and, and pop. And, and this is an evolving journey for you. And uh, yeah, what you say makes instinctive um, sense. And, and I think it, it again behooves us all to watch what we eat. Um, what is your what are your thoughts about milk? Well, I think it's up to each individual person. I definitely if I drink milk, I would drink organic milk because it would not have the uh, growth bo- what do they call bovine growth hormone that's been given to the cow. A lot of people feel like that can, you know, advance breast cancer. If you've got cancer, it it can feed it because it's upping your estrogen levels. There is debate about that. And there's evidence that it could be harmful, but just the fact that you're drinking milk and you've had an estrogen fed cancer, I don't know if yours was estrogen fed. Mine was HER2 positive and estrogen fed. Just the fact that you're drinking milk means the cow had high estrogen levels when they were making the milk, you know, or they wouldn't be able to make the milk. So when you put all that together, I've gone to coconut milk 
And if mm. you're not allergic to almonds, almond milk. A lot of my recipes now in my smoothie, it's coconut milk or almond milk. I call it eating 10 plants or more a day. And that would be fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. And I never did that before I got cancer. I mean, I was really eating, I was eating a healthier version of the standard American diet and it certainly wasn't good enough. But I now eat, I mean, I eat using food as medicine and what a different perspective. It's not just, oh, if I was going by taste, I would have a milkshake, hamburger, french fries, <laughs> cheesecake. I, I can bring out all the favorites, you know, but my body doesn't thrive on those and I know it now. And I don't think the high sugar content is good for the type two diabetes. And for people with regular diabetes, we live in such a sugar carb environment. And that I do believe, according to the research I've done, can in itself drive cancer. It can, it can make our immune system weak, too much sugar. If your blood sugar is too high or too low, your immune system is going to be weaker. Mm -hmm. And so, and then you've got the fact that cancer cells have more insulin receptors on them than do regular cells, sometimes mm -hmm. 15 to 20 times more. And so if you've already got cancer, the high sugar can, I believe, help to drive it. And there are more and more doctors that are starting to see that, but only a few doctors are actually telling their patients, you know, cut the carbs, cut the carbs. But I definitely not at first, but about by the fourth chemo, I was starting to research that and starting to realize, you know, I don't need to be eating so many carbs. So mm -hmm. I eat the carbs and I, I will probably always eat a low carb diet. I'm not going to take out all the carbs, but a low carb diet, I think is a, is a healthier diet. The Mediterranean diet, in my opinion, is the healthiest diet. Hmm. I will absolutely look that up. Boy, you are so passionate about nutrition. You could go on and on and on talking about it. I can just see. But some of the key messages I'm taking away is it's got to be a conscious choice. It's got to be a commitment. Um, you need to start thinking about food as medicine and really what serves your body well. And, and part of it is just trial and error to figure out what makes your gut happy. That's right, because your gut is where 70% of your immune system lies. The guts, the immune cells are 70% are in your gut. And so that gut lining can also prevent you from getting COVID. If you have a healthy gut lining with a lot of prebiotic fiber from fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds, and then the probiotics from fermented foods and yogurts, when you eat that on a daily basis, that gut in and of itself can take care if COVID should get into your mouth and go down into your gut, your gut is designed to attack things like that. What is the relationship being um, of your journey with cancer with your faith? Well, you know, I told you at first when I was diagnosed, it was a shock. I was asking questions I didn't understand. It was like the nightmare I couldn't wake up from. And I was riding the fear roller coaster, and that only drives cancer, as, as you know. And yes. Fear is a normal thing. So, you know, we have to deal with that. And I finally realized I couldn't ride that fear roller coaster. I had to use my faith to manage my emotions. And I did extensive research on how emotions impact our immune system. Hmm. And all the negative emotions, fear, worry, doubt, anger, 
you know, resentment, all the things that can come with a cancer journey only make the cancer worse because your immune system, they, you know, it's actually proven that they suppress your immune system. However, gratitude and things like, um, you know, being, being thankful, looking for joy in things, looking on the good things, you know, that we have to be thankful for in the midst of a crisis, laughing, dancing, singing, all enhance your immune system, you know? So I had to, you know, really get myself together. And yes, I still was afraid at times. Fear would, you know, rear its ugly head, but fear was not driving it. Now my faith, I had to use my faith to manage those emotions because it was difficult. And when I concentrated on the good and the blessings in the midst of the trial, then I wasn't letting fear and all these other things run my cancer journey. And how do you define faith, Jeannie? Well, it's believing in God and a higher power and his promises. And I, my faith is in Jesus Christ and in his words as given to us in the Holy Bible. So I would meditate on a verse, a different verse or a different passage every day. When you actually pray, um, what they found that when you meditate and pray, it actually puts your body in a healing state. Mm -hmm. So when you can relax, when you can talk to God and even tell him, you know, I am afraid, I am mm -hmm. afraid. And then you look to his words and you meditate on his words and you ask him for opportunities to share his love with other people who are going through the same thing. You know, I would try to help cancer patients who are in the next cubicle getting their chemotherapy next to me. And, you know, that's you're, we're still to be a light that shows God's love in the world, even when we're in the midst of a crisis. Mm. And, you know, at one point I didn't know with the news the doctors were giving me if I would live or if I would die. And if I was going to be like my mother and this was going to be what took me home then I was going to praise God and be a shining light as I went. You know, that was my goal. Mm. But it didn't work out that way. I'm perfectly healthy and fine. And why? Because God created the body with an innate ability to heal. Mm. And if I eat the right things, sleep, hydrate, exercise, nourish my gut, you know, if I do the right things, in general, unless it's too extreme, the, the, the disease, sometimes it's hard to stop, but I'm gonna promote healing in my body while the doctor is trying to kill the cancer that's overtaking my body. The doctor has a part to play, I have a part to play. You know, that is a really hopeful message and I, I really love the way you summed it up because when I think about your eight steps, when I think about everything that you've shared, it's really about asking that question, right? Which is, what do I do to help my, do my doctor help me, you know? And the other thing is that these are steps that can help with any chronic uh, disease. It doesn't have to be just cancer. It could be heart disease or lung issues or diabetes, because like you said um, several times today, the body was created 
with the self mechanism that works optimally if we do our part and our part is the lifestyle and the health uh, changes. That's right. And for your, for your viewers who are listening to this, I do have a cancer and wellness prevention blog that they can go to at www.jennygiinnybrant.com. If they sign up for the blog, they can download chapter three of my book, which is the book on exercise. That's perfect. That's a wonderful bonus. Um, Jeannie, to conclude today, um, if I were to ask you, what are you hopeful for in 2021? What might that be? In 2021, I'd like to see the world more peaceful and COVID go away. But in addition to that, I would love to put a dent in the cancer rates. I mean, I would love to see the cancer rates go down. I'm thriving and I want other people to thrive and be able to prevent cancer because it's a, it's a booger. It's a hard, it's a hard journey. And to be able to come out on top and feel good and feel healthy and have that, that energy back. um, I'd like for other people to have that. And I would like the message of the book to get out so that other cancer patients know what they can do to help their doctor beat their cancer and people that are afraid of cancer because there's so much in their family, they can play a part in preventing their own cancer. It's just a message that I'm driven to get out. And I thank you for having me on today so that I can minister to those in your tribe who follow you because they know your journey and they're learning from you. Mm. Amen to all of that. So to learn more about Jeannie, you can go to www.jeanniebrandt.com. Jeannie Brandt can also be found on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And to learn more about her eight steps, we didn't cover all of them today. Um, You can find her book on Amazon or through her website. Um, I have to tell you, Jeannie, I needed to, I needed to hear from you today. I have been doing so well with my journey. And then come November, something shifted in me and I haven't been taking good care of myself. And there is something about today's conversation in, you know, the fact that it happened today, that's really inspiring me and motivating me to get my two liters of water and to look at what I'm eating and to start my walking again. Yes. Um, because I just felt so good when I was following those eight steps. And uh, I just have been a bit lazy. And I think that is true for so many of us. You know, you just start where you're at and you just move forward. And that's the message I'm taking away from today. Well, I pray it will go well for you and you'll continue to remain cancer free. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be spectacular? That's my hope and wish as well. So thank you again, Jeannie. And uh, for anybody who's looking for a great book on cancer, pick up Jeannie's book, check her out. And uh, Jeannie, I'm sure we, we will be speaking again. Okay, and let's keep in touch. If you have enjoyed today's show, click the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Share the podcast with others. And if you want to help this podcast grow, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts so more listeners tune into it. It really helps. 
In the meantime, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, choose hope. How will you choose hope today?